What do you think about when I say plan ahead? Definitely planning a project and also thinking of ways to manage the mayhem that is parenthood. <laughs> I love a good plan, but sometimes it's hard to stay ahead of a moving target, I think. Yes. Today we have a special guest talking about planning ahead. Joining us is attorney Gabrielle Lawrence. She's a master planner in her personal life and an estate planning attorney professionally. Today, we get the privilege of talking with her about how she approaches planning ahead day and night. The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity in business? We probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. This time, it's a mocktail called Buenos Dias. And this is a really good drink. And I, I've noticed a trend that we're doing mocktails when we have guests. Is that so that we sound more coherent? No, I think all of our guests are um, more reasonable than we are. Fair enough. That's fair enough. But yes, this is the most refreshing coffee drink I've had in my life, I think. It's really, really good. There's some mango in here and some cilantro, and it's a cold drink over ice, and it has a little bit of cilantro on top, so it's just delicious, which I know we say often, but it's so refreshing. And you could put booze in here if you chose to. So Gabrielle, have you had a sip of your drink? Do you like it? I have. It's wonderful. It is. You're right, Jen. It's so refreshing. It just tastes like kind of a fruit salad with a little coffee glaze on it. Which every mom needs once in a while. That's true. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. I feel like maybe every mom, when somebody says fruit salad, a mom's supposed to go, yummy, yum, yummy. <laughs> So, real sorry about that. <laughs> oh. So the the thing that I'm really excited about um, for having you on podcast is not only the expertise that you bring, but I find you everything about planning and organization, and that all the pieces matter to go in the right order. That's just kind of who you are as a person, as I've gotten to know you. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? I would love to. That that is definitely who I am. So. I work for a firm based out of Southfield. However, my practice is based in Okemos, um, and I do specialize in business, probate, and estate planning, with about 90% of my practice being estate planning. When I talk about estate planning, what I mean primarily is powers of attorney, wills, and trusts, and that is generally what I'm putting in place for my clients. And my clients come to me because they want to, for the most part, proactively approach a situation that they know is going to happen to them at some point. Mm -hmm. At some point, we're all going to pass away. Somebody in our family is going to pass away, and we're going to have to deal with their estate. I love my job because I don't have to go to court. I don't deal with people who are in crisis. And my firm is kind of structured around being um, the anti-law firm, so to speak. We don't have to charge people an arm and a leg because they're coming to us saying, oh my gosh. I have this immediate crisis. I have to go to court and I will pay whatever it takes. Right. I'm helping my clients in a calm manner. We're talking about their issues. We're talking about their family. We're talking about what their desired outcome is and I help them get there. Yeah. I have a son who just turned one. I have a husband who also has his own busy career. I have a dog. I have a house. I have a mortgage. I have these, these other kind of normal things going on in my life. I also have a pretty demanding career. I also serve on the Lansing School District Board of Education, and I write a restaurant review column. So it really becomes important for me to schedule my time and make sure that all of my responsibilities are met. So not only do I help my clients plan ahead, but really my whole life is one big schedule 
<laughs> one big plan. And I like it that way. It's one big plan, right? Yeah, it sounds like if you weren't planning ahead, you would never get all of those things accomplished. Yep, pretty much. And really planning ahead has become kind of the secret to success in our house. That's pretty fair. And are you the holder of all of the plans, or is that really <laughs> a shared know, task? Do you carry the map with you at all times, or is that a shared task? I have encouraged my husband to develop a calendar. We do not share a calendar because I actually like to have a paper calendar, and he prefers to use the Google Calendar on his phone. However, about once a week, we sit down and have a debrief, and I say, these are all the things on my calendar. These are the things that need to be on your calendar as well. Most of the time, I'm the person making the dentist appointments, the doctor's appointments, mm -hmm. um, scheduling different things that need to happen around the house. He has taken up some of that mantle, especially because I travel for work, so I'm gone about a week out of every month. Mm -hmm. So with the baby, it's incumbent upon him to, to be on top of scheduling some things as well, but but for the most part, it's me. I kind of fall naturally into that role. Which I think is funny because for the most part, it's me could sum up most of our podcast topics as entrepreneurs as well. Yes. And probably every mother who's listening to this is nodding her head, for the most part, it's me. So it's really, really interesting to me too, because I feel like as entrepreneurs, what planning ahead means, like we would, we would have a different definition of what planning ahead means than how it operates inside of your realm. Um, we operate in a realm where certainly we have a business plan, we have a marketing plan, but then there, there's the, I'm not really sure what's happening for dinner sometimes, or, oh, it, because it's a moving target, because I subscribe to the, you know, I make a, at least a menu for the week. But sometimes things change. And so it's funny to think about how differently we relate to what planning ahead means, because um, we certainly could have you know, forecasts for the quarter or the year, but really, what's next week? <laughs> it also, oh, it's, it's a very interesting juxtaposition. Well, and I'll be honest, there are some days where, when planning ahead for me means what's happening in three hours. But with my children being older, I don't have control over the schedule, so I don't even know until the day before sometimes who's going to be home for dinner. So the idea of planning ahead for a menu for the week seems really glamorous, and I have yet to attain that glamour, that's for sure. But as an entrepreneur, you have to not only plan for today and tomorrow, but next week and next year, and what will the schedule look like? Where will the invoicing come from? There's, there's just so many parts of it that we have to do whether we want to or not. And so I think that's an interesting alignment between how you think and how we have to live sometimes. Well, I think too, um, and I want to ask, I have some burning questions for you, but I, I think too, creatives do not normally wear a badge that says I'm super organized. And so, oh, weird. Um, yeah. So planning ahead in our, inside of our organizations feels very different because where I feel like I'm a very organized creative, my measuring stick for what planning ahead and being organized is may be a very different metric than what maybe Gabrielle's using. I think that's a great point. And I think I don't consider myself to be a creative person at all. Uh, and I'm very vocal about that. And I'm constantly telling the marketing people at my firm that I'm not creative. I can't come up with new ideas, but I can finish the task at hand. I think creative people and attorneys really are somewhat of a yin and a yang. Attorneys need someone to creatively help them come up with different ways to market them, their, their skills and to market themselves. 
and to appeal to different clients and to maybe even approach legal problems in a different way. Creative people, small business owners, creative industries need attorneys to help them set up LLCs, set up business organizations, set up wills and trusts. Uh, I think that very frequently in my practice, I've encountered people who are maybe artists or they're working in a nine to five job and they're, they're selling their artwork on the side. Mm -hmm. And I encourage them to set up an LLC because not only does it look more professional, but it's a lot easier when it comes tax time mm -hmm. and you can delineate personal expenses and business expenses. But ultimately the planning ahead that I'm doing for most of my clients, those wills, trusts and powers of attorney, in my opinion, that's really the ultimate measure of planning ahead because we're planning for what happens if something unforeseen or something catastrophic happens. My clientele, I, I get asked the question a lot of what's your typical client? And that's a hard question to answer because it runs the gamut from people who just had their first child and they're very concerned about guardianship and they wanna make sure that they've got that will in place so they can control who's gonna take care of these kids. Mm -hmm. And I, it runs the gamut to people who are in their 90s and they come to me and they say, we've been married for 60 years and we've been telling each other every year, we've gotta do our estate planning, we've gotta do a will and a trust. <laughs> and I hear this several times a week all over the state of Michigan. And people always think that they're telling me something I've never heard before, of course. And I say, I know, I hear it all the time. You know you've, need, you've known that you've needed to do it for years. And here we sit and we're finally gonna get it done. I think it can be an intimidating topic for people. I think people don't know where to find an attorney and you don't just wanna Google estate planning attorney. So I think a lot of times people wait to find someone. They want a referral, they want somebody to tell them, I know this person, you should go to this person. And I understand that. And I, I totally understand that it can be an intimidating topic. I think that people are under the impression that I need volumes of information from them and it's gonna take a year and a half to finish this process and it's gonna cost them thousands and thousands of dollars. And generally when I finish my meetings with clients, they say, wow, that was a lot easier than I thought it was gonna be. Oh, I bet. You know, when, when Karen introduced us, I said, oh, an estate planning attorney. And I promptly went and looked at my will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, how's my will looking? But I think the idea of estate planning also sort of says you have an estate. And when my children were small and we wrote a will, we didn't have an estate. If but you we, have a bank account, you have an estate. Right. And so I think there are lots of misperceptions about who needs estate planning, who needs to think about a will and when. And so mm -hmm. I'd be curious when people come to you more often, like what, what finally spurs someone to make that decision? So a lot of times it is that first child being born. But I tell people all the time, you're never too young or old or rich or poor to have an estate planning document in place. And it might just be, I'm 18 and I'm moving away, I'm going to college, and I need a medical and financial power of attorney. And I tell the story about my cousin who graduated from high school and moved to Marquette to go to Northern Michigan University. And my aunt and uncle called me and said, does he need to do anything before he leaves home? And I said, oh yeah, he needs a medical power of attorney because if he's injured in a car accident, he's a nine hour drive from home and the hospital cannot even tell you what his condition is. And Mental people, note, I'll be doing that. I'll be calling you in July when my <laughs> child turns 18. And people forget an 18 year old in this country is legally an adult. So that 18 year old again might just need powers of attorney, but it might be 40 year old family who needs wills and, and trusts and powers of attorney, they need to make sure that those kids are gonna be protected if something happens to them. So really it's, it's clients all over the board. 
I pride myself on being able to personalize that estate plan to address each family's particular situation. Do you find that most families are afraid of coming up with a definitive answer? Absolutely. I also find that I have to ask questions that are, that are pretty nosy. And I always tell people I'm not trying to be nosy, but I, I have to know this stuff in order to guide you properly. Uh, yesterday I was meeting with a client of mine who's a minister. And she came in and I said, you know, how are you? How's your day? And she said, one of my parishioners died today. Unexpectedly, she was in her 70s and she had pneumonia. She passed away. And my client says to me, you know, you and I get a window into people's lives that most people don't ever get. That's true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely true. And I'm sitting down and asking people, how much money do you make? What are your kids like? Do they get along with each other? Does anybody have a substance abuse issue? Do your two daughters want to kill each other? All these questions that generally when you meet somebody, you're not telling them all this stuff 10 minutes after the introduction. Right. And I try to be very mindful of that. I try to really safeguard that relationship. I also try to not be intimidating. I never wear a suit to work, and that's one of the reasons. I don't want people to sit down and think, this is another typical attorney. She's going to bill me an arm and a leg. She's not going to have any personality. So I try to be mindful of that. I try to always share a little kernel about myself. So maybe it's, oh, the baby was up last night, so please excuse the bags under my eyes today. Or... Um, I went to high school with your kid, or your mom was my English teacher, or whatever the case may be. I always try to find kind of a common denominator with my clients to, to personalize myself to them. Because you are a very interesting person, I mean, you, and you are a human, and, and gosh, you have gobs of personality. Oh, thank you. I want to know, know how, after practicing for a number of years, how becoming a mother has changed the way that you the lens with which you view what you do for a living, but also how you counsel. Has it changed? It has definitely changed. It's really, of course, changed everything in my life, as I'm sure anybody who just had their first child would tell you. Uh, I would have a client every once in a while who, when we get to the question of guardianship, they would tear up. And of course, I would take my time and not push the issue and let them come to their own decision. But it never really meant anything to me personally because I didn't have anything to relate, to relate it to. I didn't have my own kid. Of course, that has totally changed now. Yeah. Um, and everything I do, I think about how is this going to affect Eddie in the future? How can I set it up so that he has the easiest life possible, especially if something happens to his parents mm -hmm. and my brother and sister-in-law are raising him? How am I going to make this as easy as possible for them so that he has the best life possible? And so the... We cry every time. We cry all the time, sorry. <laughs> there's, not, there's very few episodes that we don't end up tearing up and then we laugh at each other because it's really <laughs> ridiculous. But it really, it, it really does personalize it. And when you think about somebody else's mortality and then you can, f almost like you're holding up a mirror and you think about your own, you really get into the headspace of the person that you're face-to-face -face with. Well, and it's funny, too, when you think about that, as an entrepreneur, you know, I have to think about what happens to my children and what happens to my staff and what happens to my business. So planning ahead, depending on where you are in your life cycle or your career cycle, can mean a lot of things, too, which is a huge challenge. 
You know, one of the things that Jen and I talked about when the podcast turned one, we talked about whether we were still in, but also what have we learned. And I I consistently say to folks who ask that the podcast, if nothing else, it's been a ton of fun and it has formalized a relationship that Jen and I have had for a long time. But if nothing else, it is a structure for me to think about the things that I normally would not set aside time to think about. And I've grown so much because of it. So I think that when it comes to planning ahead, whether it's planning ahead as an entrepreneur, like you just said, it's not really about you. It's about how does that impact your staff or how does that impact Eddie, um, your son? But it's it's the notion that, you know, what you do, Gabrielle, forces people to think about their priorities. It forces people to answer questions. And the answers to those questions allow people to rally around you to make sure that those things can come to fruition, whatever those goals are, whether that's in an estate planning. But it's the same thing for our businesses. Oh, yeah. And it's it's so interesting because in talking to her, and that's that's one of the things I enjoy we're very lucky to be able to talk to people who work in lots of industries in our career. But you know, you're sitting here outlining all of these scenarios. And and in my head, I'm making this mental note like, oh, I have to do this before my son goes to college. And this is the next thing I need to check on. So it's really good to hear that perspective and be reminded that there are things that it wouldn't have even occurred to me to plan for. Mm -hmm. And so now I have to get busy. I've got some work to do, clearly. And I tell people constantly, you are not doing estate planning for yourself. You will never see the benefit of your trust. It's not for you. It's for your kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, the bottom line is whether we're talking about estate planning, that kind of planning ahead, or whether we're talking about business plans or our marketing plans or, you know, sales projections or goals, it's know, know what your end game is. You know, it's, it's, it's not about today really, but you're, you're, throwing, you're throwing your view way down the road, whatever that term is, yeah. and just know what your end game is and back up from there. That's project management. That's estate planning. That's, you know, trying to get your kid off to college in half a year. Yeah, it's, well, we'll see. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, it, it's really, it's all of those things. And and that's where this this concept of thinking through scenarios is so important. What happens if you do X? What happens if both you and your spouse pass away at the same time? What happens if your children are still minors? What if one of them is an adult and the rest are minors? So the, the number of variables you have to, and I'm looking at it through my lens with my age, but the number of variables you have to think through to get this done seems like a lot. You're absolutely right. It is a lot. And I and I frequently get feedback from clients that, oh, you're asking me to come up with answers to questions that I didn't know existed. Yeah, that's yeah. my job. That That's why you came to an attorney who specializes in estate planning, because I'm a one-trick pony. This is all I know how to do. And I'm going to make sure that you have the best plan possible with every contingency accounted for. I would call that an expert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lot I, nicer than one-trick pony, I guess. One-trick <laughs> one pony, I think, minimizes your expertise just a touch. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because when, when you start asking those questions and you're probing and you're really requiring people to, to think about their priorities or their plans, and it, then you know people leave your office and go back and have really hard conversations. Um, and, in, and in transparency, Gabrielle has done my will and trust for my family. But in that same process, my best girlfriend was going through the same process. And she was so afraid to ask me to be the guardian of her children that she texted me at 10 o'clock at night because why? what else would I do besides just go, yeah, across a text? <laughs> and so it's opened up a really funny conversation with her. And she has five children. I might mention, uh, 
And but it was the easiest yes. Of course, I threaten her when I see her that she can't die. But um, at the same time, as her husband. But um, you know, it's 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 these really funny conversations that that you end up having with people. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. funny because I just texted my sister-in-law and I said, "You know, if we die, you get the kids, right?" She said, "Yes." I didn't ask. I just explained. Yeah. So, well, same. Yeah. I mean, how <laughs> how else do you ask that question, really? Right. Do people find that question awkward? I mean, the default is sometimes quite clear, right? What I always tell people is, you're going to give me tentative answers today in our first meeting. And I know that you and your husband or you and your wife or whatever, you're going to go home and you're going to noodle on this. You're going to think about it. You're going to talk to your people. You're going to figure out if this is really the right choice. You're going to have a month to sit with what you told me. Nothing is final today. And very frequently, I get calls or emails from people saying, I know I told you I wanted... Jen, to be the guardian of my kids. And I woke up and I thought, oh my God, why did I tell you that? Karen has to be the guardian of my kids. <laughs> Clearly. And it happens all the time. And you I get really, all the kids, Karen. <laughs> all the kids. I, I encourage people to tell me something tentatively because they know they have to commit or they have to change their mind. But I'm going to make you take that uncomfortable first step mm-hmm. because otherwise it's never going to get done. That leads me sort of to some process questions. So for you... You said in a month you're going to have to decide. So my question maybe is like, how long is this process for the average family? So most of the time my process takes about six weeks. And and most of the time it's a series of two meetings. We have our first meeting where I really explain what is a will, what is a trust, how are they different, what do I need? And then in that first meeting we go through some worksheets that I have. And I encourage people to say, this is who my trustee will be, this is who my guardian will be. And I'll say, if you change your mind you have until this deadline to tell me that you're changing your mind. Because in our next meeting, I'm going to have everything prepared. I'm going to have a binder full of documents ready for your signature. So you have to have told me if we're going to do something different than what I've set up here. However, of course, I don't ever make anybody sign anything that they don't want to sign. And it happened just yesterday that people changed their mind on which kid they wanted to name first. So we're just going to redo the documents because I I tell people I have no interest in giving you something that you don't want or that you don't understand or that you're not comfortable with. I want you to know everything that you have and I want you to know why because selfishly I want you to be able to tell your friends, hey, I worked with Gabrielle and this is what I have and you should call her too. That's it's a great marketing tool for me. But I also don't think that that's your your initial motivation, right? Of course so not. what's what's the most rewarding thing about your job? What do you go to sleep at night knowing um, that when you wake up in the morning, what you do matters. I, I firmly believe that I give people peace of mind. And I believe that because I hear it day after day after day. Very frequently clients leave our second meeting and they hug me and they say, I feel such a sense of relief. Yep. And I think what better vote of confidence is there in what I'm spending all of this time doing than to have somebody telling me that I've given them peace of mind. And that's what I'm proudest of in my career. That's pretty cool. That's, yeah. that's nothing to sniff at, is no, it? No, not at all. What else do you want to share with us about planning ahead? Or, you know, where do you suck at planning? Oh, I, want no. to pick, I want to pick a scab. And I want to know, I want to hear about meal planning, because she told us a little <laughs> bit about that, and I was very impressed. Yes. I am an obsessive meal planner. So our meal plan is, I, I plan three weeks out. Which is crazy. <laughs> So as I've said, I travel for about a week out of every month, hence the three-week meal plan. I try to really 
I mean, I get pretty crazy with it and I consider how much red meat is on this meal plan, how many times are we having fish, is the shrimp on sale at Costco? Because if it is, I'm stocking up because I love Costco shrimp. Uh, how many times can I coerce my husband into eating a vegetarian meal this week? And how many times can I do it without him noticing that it's a vegetarian meal? I know that if I don't have that meal plan, he's gonna end up eating rallies for dinner, which he loves and which I just can't, I can't let it happen. So I've got the three week meal plan. I know that if it's four o'clock, I, Maybe I haven't made dinner yet, but I at least have the groceries at home to make those honey chipotle chicken quinoa bowls that we're going to have that night. So it's so impressive. <laughs> is that actually what you're having tonight? Yes, it is. It's one of our favorites. Uh, can I have that recipe? <laughs> of course. I'll send it to you. I would like can that. It's really good. Can you just really make good. it for me and deliver it to of me? Of course. I'm happy to. Because <laughs> <laughs> she has a lot of extra time because of all of her planning ahead. Oh, my goodness. Right. All right. Sorry, I jumped in there. You can pick this gap. What, what did you have to ask her? I want to know what you suck at. Oh. I really get annoyed with myself when I have the opportunity to work out in the morning and I don't get out of bed. And every week I have these grand plans to get up at five o'clock Monday through Friday and get to that six o'clock gym class. But if the baby wakes up at three and he's up for 20 minutes, I'm not gonna get up. And then at noon that day, I'm so annoyed with myself because that was my one opportunity to work out and I didn't do it. So I'm really trying to get better at that. A few years ago for Lent, I gave up the snooze button. Mm. Oh my goodness. I think I'm gonna do that again for the new year and just give it up completely because if I hit that snooze, I'm never I'm never getting out of bed. Well, I you clearly do. <laughs> but how many times do you hit snooze? Uh, twice is the max. Yeah. But I need to just stop doing it completely. That thought though, that if you haven't done it in the window that you've allotted, there is no other time in the day, is such a universal thought for parents our age. Absolutely. You just There's no margin in your day. So there's no margin. So I don't think that's you. It's just life in this phase. Maybe you could also give yourself a little grace. I've been trying to do that. That's, that's really been another theme of the past year. Uh, I remember when Sarah Anthony was your guest, and she talked about her motto, you belong here, and I really liked that. And I have my own kind of personal three key words that I say to myself all day long, and it's patience, grace, and confidence. And frequently throughout the day, I'll stop and take a minute and just remind myself of my three words and tell myself it's okay. If you didn't get up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym, you'll do it tomorrow. So you have planned for tomorrow, but you still have tomorrow. So it's a pretty good balance. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's my question for you. So what if one of our listeners is sort of on the fence and thinking, I either need to look at my estate plan or I need to update it or I need to decide to do it, what... What do they need to do mentally to prepare to make a phone call? Sure. So first of all, don't be intimidated. Any good attorney is going to slowly, carefully walk you through everything. It, Like I said, it's in our best interest to make sure that you understand everything that you have and everything that you're hiring that attorney to prepare for you. I advise people to work with an attorney who specializes in estate planning. Too frequently I've seen a will or a trust put together by someone who is essentially a general practitioner and really you get what you pay for. And if you're finding somebody who says, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for free as a favor, most of the time it's not a great estate plan. 
We've talked about free work in our industry, mm-hmm. too, so yes. I can understand mm-hmm. that. You do get what you pay for, and, and you should pay for expertise, but it doesn't have to come at, a, at the price of an arm and a leg. Absolutely not, and I think people are generally pretty surprised when they learn how much it actually does cost because it's it's a lot cheaper than probate, I'll tell you that. It's a lot easier and cheaper for your family if you take care of things on the front end. People should also start thinking about who they would name in those roles. So who would you choose as guardian or who would you choose as executor? And then text that person at 10 o'clock at night. And absolutely text that person at 10 Mm p.m., hopefully after they've had a few coffee cocktails. and They can say yes. Do you want my kids? Yeah. Speaking of, you guys love this cocktail, right? (laughs) It's deliciously good. It's really, it's the the combination between the sweet and the bitter and the little bit of um, herb in there. Mm -hmm. it's, It's a really nice balance. It is. It's really, really good. I'm so glad that it was made, especially for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being our guest. My pleasure. So where could listeners find you if they had any questions or just wanted to stalk you on social media? <laughs> I love Instagram. My username is at GC Lawrence. Lawrence is with a W. I'm on Facebook. I tweet about once a year. I also write... <laughs> <laughs> but it's really important stuff. It's really good stuff, though. <laughs> I write a monthly restaurant review column for the Lansing City Pulse locally. It's called He Ate, She Ate, and I am obviously the She Ate. And I work for a firm called Shay Aiello, but if you Google me, then you should be able to find me. That's fantastic. I have learned so much today. I have too. Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Very good. And Jen, where can people find us if they're listening? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Easy Underground or on our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. People say creativity and entrepreneurship should be open and fluid and free. But should they? Could they be disciplined and methodical instead? Perhaps. What would that look like? I think that looks like something called rigor. And that's what we're talking about next time.